Welcome to Don't Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Maxim Allen. Today is August 25th, 2020. And this is the show where we talk about stuff that people love to do. We're going to talk creative passions. And today, my guest is a comedian just like myself, a very funny comedian. He is a TikToker and he is a voice actor. So let's all welcome. Lucas Arnold to the show. Yeah, yeah. Yay for Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please imagine the audience clapping. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you coming by. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to learn about the ins and outs of the stuff you do. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. So I guess a little bit of background about you. So you, you're from Brooklyn, right? Yes. Originally from here. Okay, and let me ask let me ask you this first. So, mm-hmm. out of comedy and voice acting, which did you start first? Oh, voice acting for sure. Okay. Straight out of college. Straight out of college? Acting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where'd you go to school? I went to Northwestern University. Okay. And so how did you you studied theater, right? Yeah. Yeah. Theater major. Okay. So what what was the thing that got you into voice acting? Like what was the basis of your process? Um well, the I always thought it would just be sort of cool. Mm-hmm. It, always, it was always like people would come up to be like, oh, you have a nice voice. And I'll be like, oh, thanks. And then and so I it was always in the back of my mind, like, oh, maybe this could be a job. Um, and but the thing is, uh, in my senior year of college, my roommate Connor and I, we found this class online. Um, it was called How to Become an Audiobook Narrator. Ooh. And it was <laughs> it was hosted by this dude called Kevin Tice, uh, T-H-E-I-S, who if you want to look up, you can, anyone listening. Um, and he is, um, and uh, we took this class. It was like three days. It was teaching you the ins and outs of um, uh, audio recording, a basic setup for recording audiobooks, how to navigate this, uh, this website called acx.com, okay. which is how Audible makes most of its audiobooks. Gotcha. And, um, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm an actor, writer, director. I have a wife and two kids. And I only just started doing audiobooks last year and I've already done over 100. And this is like my part-time slash full-time job. And I was just like, oh, wow. And because, you know, if you're like just about to graduate from college, like anything that can make like your day job or, or whatever that like an easier thing instead of just doing like retail or waitering yeah, and stuff yeah. like anything that would like seem a little more interesting into that i was like oh i want to try to do that and so we took this class and uh after that i then took an intro to voiceover class in chicago that was like throughout uh everything all right levels good yeah 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 i'm just turning you up just a hair okay okay yeah um so yeah, it was um it was just because of that one class that we found online that sort of got the ball rolling of me taking classes and um inspired me to get like a microphone of my own and do a basic recording setup at home and started doing audiobooks straight out of college. Okay. So you're just like, I'm a theater major and I do not want to be a server at a restaurant. Yes. I was I like I do, Yeah. And it wasn't like I wasn't actively looking for jobs to uh, that would be better than waiter, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. But I, it just, it's st- we stumbled upon, it and we were like, "Oh, let's invest in this." And I was a little more intent on it. I think. Okay, gotcha. Who yeah. has the better voice, you or Kevin? Connor. Oh, um, Connor. Sorry, I'm so <laughs> Kevin was um, the instructor. Okay. I mean, th- there's no question about it. No, he, no, it's <laughs> legit. He yeah. has a very his voice is a little bit deeper than mine. It's very, very resonant. It's 
he's been told as well by many a time, very much in front of me, many a time people just complimenting him on his voice. I'm like, yeah, it's true. He has a really nice voice. It's true. In front of you, that's like a, he must yeah, have an awesome voice. dare anyone. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> he does have, a, he does have a gorgeous voice and he's a super talented actor as well. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah, on my other podcast, uh, Small Town Radio, which mm-hmm. you listen to, yes. uh, I always hear people tell me, oh, your co-host has such a nice radio voice. And I'm like, I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm here too. <laughs> I'm just the guy with a microphone. And like in the in the food chain of no- nice voices, you're probably like the top of people I know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So what was your first uh, like... <laughs> do you do you bring like your own like flair to voice acting when you do it or is you it have just, to yeah i mean yeah you have well what you sort of what you're taught more than anything else like if you start out and you're as an actor and you have like stage training and you're used to the stage so what you're sort of unlearning is like the idea of projecting and the idea of um sort of forcing your character out toward the audience right whereas, just like this, like recording this is like it's very intimate. You don't have to raise your voice and you're mm-hmm. just trying to sound like the way you do. So it's sort of um, voiceover training is sort of just learning to be yourself and not worry so much about um, about like your volume or how you're coming. It's just th- learning to thrive in your own range and personality and stuff. Okay. That is that is what makes you marketable more than anything. Okay, interesting. That's cool. So like this show is obviously called like Don't Quit Your Day Job. And kind of yeah. the theme is the things we do aside from our day jobs. But this is like a creative kind of thing that is your day job though. Yeah. Um what was your what was your first gig? My first gig, the first thing I was ever it was a it was a murder mystery series Ooh. and it was the it was called Maggie Mulgrew Mysteries. That is the name of the series. I think the first book was called Ghost of a Chance. Ghost and of a Chance. Ghost of a Chance. <laughs> and um, you, can, you can find it on Audible and iTunes. It's, um, it's funny because there were six books in the series. I finished it last year. Um, and you can sort of track my audio quality throughout the books <laughs> as my studio and equipment just got inch by inch better. And uh, <laughs> That's so, funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was the first thing I... Um, I ever did, and I p- made a big post on Facebook. I was like, "I just got cast for an audiobook, yay, career and stuff!" And like, people were like, "Whoa, an audiobook is!" And it was, it's it's remarkably easy to get started in audiobooks. I'll be honest, because like, <laughs> well, the website it's free to join acx.com, right. and okay. as soon as you join, pretty much because newer members are shown to rights holders first, and so more often than not, if you just join, you will get a bunch of offers right off the bat. From people that have just stumbled upon you, like, oh, can you narrate my book? And um, so, yeah, interesting. So interesting. It was so. It was my friends like were celebrating it, not which was really nice, but it was a little not undeserved, but it was a little <laughs> bit greater than what circumstances actually were. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like there's that like those moments we post on Facebook, like, yeah. hey, everybody, milestone. Then you get deep into it, and you're like, yeah. That was just like a little thing. That was. <laughs> it reminds me of like what Abby and Alana from like Broad City being like, and their moms being like, "Have you heard our daughters are on YouTube?" And they're yeah. and they're like, uh, "Everyone's on YouTube. You're probably on YouTube." <laughs> or like uh, in the in the show when she's like, "Oh, I'm, my daughter's an artist in the city, and she yeah. just like paints for herself." Basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I guess uh, I kind of forgot this up top. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Lucas, you, you're also a TikToker. You're a comedian, Instagram. Uh, what are your plugs real quick? I got to get yeah, better sure. at putting these up front. Um, so yeah, my uh, username on all social media is Lucas T. Arnold as one word. That's Lucas with a K. Uh, so yeah, that's those are all my socials. Easy enough. Easy enough. So in voice acting, what are like some like, like, like misconceptions about doing voice acting that are out there, do you think? I would say the biggest misconception is people think it's just doing funny voices or impressions like <laughs> just like all of that or just or just like doing <laughs> whoa boy just like any everyone everyone thinks it's just doing like little impressions and but really what it is is just um if you're doing animation you have to create a character um and then you have to sustain that character you have to be able to like cry to shout to be happy you have to have the full spectrum of emotions and everything within that character you have to yep it's it's acting at its core and that's what a lot of people don't realize is that it is acting and it's not just doing funny voices or funny noises or stuff like that wow i guess that's core acting i hadn't thought about that that it's like whoever plays donald duck was like i need to be able to do donald duck in every situation and also i wasn't gonna ask you to do it up top i was gonna be like would you please make some funny voices for me (laughs) because you're uh your your tiktok a lot a lot you're a big portion of your tiktok is impressions of people right you do a john mulaney you got an obi-wan kenobi ron swanson just so many professor farnsworth yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i is that something like did you realize your your vocal like talent after voice acting or have you always been able to do crazy voices oh i was always doing that what when you're like a kid what was do you remember your first voice or a character you'd always do when you're young i think the first real impression honestly was in high school okay that was when i was um that was when i really I, I sort of always could do impression, but that was when I really kind of nailed one. It was my um my um uh, my sophomore year English teacher, Mr. Morris. He was from Barbados. He was legally blind, and I remember him so. Uh, he would call everyone, "Ma'am, <laughs> everyone's you see, ma'am." You see what I wrote on the board, "Ma'am." You see right there, and <laughs> and like I remember one time that I was sitting next to my friend Brian. And Brian was talking a lot in class and he was trying to get Brian's attention. And he just came over to Brian. And he said, Brian, when you are older and you have your own salon and you will cut women's hair and shave their legs, ma'am. And then he just walked away. He just totally like disoriented us for a moment just to like break <laughs> up the conversation. And I was like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Also kind of genius. And so I did an impression of him. And I did that for a lot of other people in class and people thought it was really good. And then he, I did it in front of him and he really liked it. And he said to the whole class, he was like, you see, man, I am multiplying. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, really sweet. Um, But yeah, and then like I did like a Christopher Walken impression. That was one of the first, because like when I auditioned for my high school, um, the teachers that auditioned me, they told me when I was like 13, they were like, oh, you look like a young Christopher Walken. I was like, oh my God, I kind of do. <laughs> and, I was, and I had really long hair at the time. I was like, do I? And because, yeah. But, um, oh, I'd so, love yeah. to see you with long hair now that I know that, that was a thing. I'll, I can show you a picture later <laughs> on. But yeah, basically, I kind of, you remember Madagascar, that movie? Yeah. I sort of, my silhouette was very similar to Alex the Lion. Just a sort of like. That much hair? Just a lot. It would go out a lot to the sides, just it was big. Wow. <laughs> Very poofy. I, so you're from Brooklyn. Yeah. So with your Christopher Walken, did you know people growing up who kind of talked like that? But no. No? Okay. Honestly, he's from no. Queens, right? Yeah, he's from Queens. I, I think um, 
No, I was just, I've always been pretty good at memorizing what I heard and like memorizing the rhythms and intonations and stuff. Um, Yeah, it's funny, like when I meet people, like when I went to college, even when I meet family and family friends in the UK, they'll be very surprised if I say that I'm from Brooklyn. They're like, why don't you have an accent? I'm like, what? (laughs) I think because I think mine is just like a more of a general American accent. I think. I would say you and I have the same accent. It's yeah. not it's not very localized. Right. That's that, yeah. that, that's definitely something I feel like like um I've noticed on the East Coast you have some very you have some very niche accents here and there. Yeah. Uh, in the West like Colorado out to California mm-hmm. anywhere out there everyone sounds like us. Like everyone has just a kind of a norm like there's no accent mm. but it's weird to say that because this is probably an accent to some people, but it's it's very there's nothing special about I actually, it. I actually just thought of an idea. Do you think it's because English speakers had more time to develop different accents on the East Coast because they settled there first? I think I think that's part of it. I think it's also like because of like um tight knit like immigrant communities. Yeah. In, like especially in New York City that just kind oh, of 100%. stuck yeah, and that's stayed true. there. That makes a lot of sense. And like a lot of people, like my family is from Michigan, but they they don't say anything crazy. They don't have any crazy accent. They just mm. have like sharp A's. Like they okay. make their A's like eh. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> That's all I got to say like about that. So you're with your voice acting. Um, mm-hmm. You do you do TikTok impressions now. Like what was yeah. what was the what was the were those two things tied together in your mind? Do you ever do voice acting with an accent as a character, or are you mostly reading oh, yeah. as yourself? Oh okay. no, no! I, like earlier today, I was doing um um a job for my client, and almost exclusively they want me to do an English accent because they're it's um it's for Hong Kong students learning English, and so they'll be like um uh, module one lesson one, please listen to the selection below, window, ceiling, bedcloth. Just like, and you just like, um, yeah, just like saying different words and like, listen again to make sure you got the pronunciation and just like, and so I love it. <laughs> and so, so that's something, but most of the time, um, otherwise, um, I would just be, I would just be doing my own accent and just okay. as myself. Yeah. Do you, has anyone ever asked you to do an accent that you just can't stand or that's like particularly like technically challenging? Um, is there one like that for you? Is there an accent you can't stand that like? I don't know. I think honestly, for me, I'm very i I love Christopher Walken impressions because mm-hmm. I find the way he speaks to be so fucking weird. <laughs> like I just, it's very challenging. And like even I've got a a joke where I do an impression of like a native New Yorker, yeah. but I'm pretty much just doing a Boston accent, <laughs> which is <laughs> I just can't. It's it's very difficult for me. So yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I um, I've been asked before, like many times on TikTok, oh, do a Donald Trump, uh, do a Donald Trump impression. I and legit, anytime I actually tried, I just had this very gross feeling in my heart, and I just thought, you know what, I, I'm because I'm not person, I'm not a person that really gets like offended by much, or but I, I actually had to draw a line. I was like, this doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, it just yeah. really personally just doesn't make me feel good to do, and that's. 
that's one place where I drew the line. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, that's like it's not like technical. It's not like out too it off just, the wall for you. It's just like a spiritual anguish. It just took a shit in my soul. I don't do, <laughs> trying to do that. I was like, I don't want to do this one. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I actually made like a video on TikTok explaining why I just really didn't want to do it. And another voice actor said, Hey, I actually lost work because um someone wanted me to do it and I couldn't do it. So props to you. I was like, Oh, thanks. Wow. Losing yeah. work because you didn't want to do a Trump impression. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So what are, like, is there, aside from, like, getting your first um, voiceover gig, has there been any, like, big milestones in your voice acting career? I would say the biggest milestone, um, uh, well, there are a couple. Getting my booth was extraordinary. Oh, yeah. The booth. The booth. Oh, my. It just, <laughs> it made so much difference. Just because, like, I had neighbors that lived above me, and they were the sweetest people in the world. They had three kids and a dog, but they would be, like, running right. in the apartment above me. And they, the thing is, like, they were doing exactly what they should be doing. Those kids, they're running around, they're playing with their dog, they're doing exactly what they should be doing at home. So I felt very, I, I couldn't really complain about it because... I was like, they're doing exactly what they should be doing. Whereas I'm like working at home in a very niche job that yeah. needs silence. And it's like, it's, I, I felt very unreasonable at, and so I never complained about it. So um, I guess for the people listening who don't know much about this, what is the booth? <laughs> Describe the booth. The booth is basically, um, it's a soundproof box that exists next to my washing, washing machine and dryer. Next and to the two loudest pieces, of yeah, <laughs> the two loudest appliances. <laughs> I don't, I don't record while those are on because those will bleed in ever so slightly. But yeah, it's basically just a, it's a four by four by seven foot tall uh, box that's soundproof, and I step inside to record and do all my voice stuff from there. That's amazing. As like a, a podcaster, like having like a booth is like I know the dream. Like right now, you guys, if you're listening, can't see it. But you might be able to hear it is I'm just sitting in my bedroom and we are recording with a microphone attached to my nightstand. And then I have a microphone in my lap. <laughs> and if you if you want to see the booth, though, uh, it's in a lot of your TikTok videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can kind of get a feel for that. It also if anyone like is like looking to hire me, uh, you can go to my website and I have pictures of it. If you just want to look, I don't know. You might you might want to hire me. I don't know. <laughs> OK, so. Big milestone is the booth. Are yeah. there other? What are the other? Another ones? one was um, was actually when I got fired from my day job last year because I did briefly have a day job where I was um, uh, working in an art exhibit, and um, I got fired from that, and um, and then like, and I actually went from getting fired immediately to an animation session in the city, which is like it was a very bittersweet day because it was a super fun session, but it was followed by like a kind of a shock but then <laughs> right after that i got a client which sends me the bulk of my work every single month and, okay and th and that's just been very very consistent work and then i've been full-time in voiceover ever since that's awesome and so it was really fortunate timing for me yeah absolutely Everything. that just worked out perfectly it really did i i think i remember you telling me the art gallery story but it's been a while how, how did yeah. you, who would fire you you're so great well, what, this is the thing so like <laughs> I was called, um, I was only there for like a month and a half. And then I was called into my, because I was, I was going to leave at five to go to my voiceover session. And like this sort of like sub boss, 
like like who worked and had the same uniform as me but sort of like was just a little higher on the totem pole she was like can you stay just like a few more minutes i was like i, I have a voiceover session again she was like just a few more minutes i was like oh okay and then like brought me over into this boss's office and he was like yeah this is really tough for me to say but um yeah this is your last day i was like what i was just i was just <laughs> i was just so shocked and i was like can you tell me why like beyond did i please be honest with me. Like, I'm probably going to look for another job after this. Um, so if I had bad work performance, if I was unprofessional or, um, if I was, if there's anything wrong, please tell me on my part. And he was like, you had some days that were better than others, but that's not the issue. No. What it was is that, um, you know, you're an actor, you have other stuff that are your priorities. You're not really actively looking to get more hours of work with us. And, um, (laughs) And it shows. And uh, we really want to have fewer employees that are going to treat this as their first priority. This is a part-time job, by the way. <laughs> um, they were like, we want to have fewer employees that eventually want to make it full-time and really grow within the company and stuff. And um, so yeah, and so we just don't think it's a good fit. And I was like, okay. Quick question, though. When I interviewed with you, I told you exactly what my priorities... I told you that I was an actor. I told you mm-hmm. that... I was hoping to have like non-consecutive days so I could have days open for auditions and stuff. And you said very clearly, I think you'd be a great fit. And I was like, awesome. So what changed for you? And why is this the way I'm hearing about it Um, without me being able to change anything? And he was like, I'm sorry, man. The beast has just changed. The beast has just changed. (laughs) Just like the industry he called the beast of just this art gallery. It was it was so strange it was so so strange that's crazy it really sucked because i actually really i was growing to really like that job like i had really fun co-workers who were so much fun to shoot shit with okay they were really really cool people what kind of art gallery was it was it all like paintings with sculpture was it like mixed multimedia was it just kind of everything i don't want to give okay. away exactly i guess that's but fair. it was that's um, fair let's call it an immersive experience okay it wasn't that good <laughs> <laughs> It had low ratings online. Uh, <laughs> so you, that's that's great though. You just, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's kind of bittersweet though. You get fired. Yeah. And I then, got some good stories uh, from working there though. A couple good ones. Yeah? Yeah. Like what? Uh, one was a, um, uh, on opening night, a quite a major celebrity uh, came for the opening night. It was a big VIP event. And... I was stationed outside um, the exhibit, just like checking VIPs in. I was given a list of people like Maxim, you're, let's say you're a VIP. I would, you would say your name is Maxim Allen. I would look you up on the list. You're like, oh, yes, Maxim Allen. Here's a wristband that you can use for the rest of the night where you go to different places in the building and you just show your wristband and uh, please walk in and enjoy the exhibit. And you would say thank you and you'd walk inside. Yeah. This yeah. dude just walked up straight to me and he just stuck out his wrist without looking at me. And I was just like, do I need to put the wristband on you? (laughs) And so I stretched out the wristband to just like encapsulate his hand with the wristband. And I was like, okay, go inside, I guess. I hope you enjoy it. And then he didn't say thank you, still didn't look me, and he just walked straight in. And I was just like, oh, oh, you're a a bad person. (laughs) I don't necessarily want to say his name. I'll tell you. I'll tell you his name off air. But he's like, he's. I big. I, I remember the story. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who it is. 
Oh man, that that's funny though. Were there any other like any ce- other celebrity encounters there, or um, did the ratings get to it before more of them got in there? <laughs> no, there wasn't. I think I I think I saw Doctor Drew Pinsky. Do you know? He he has a lot of podcasts. He's, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know. Who, and I did. Yeah. He wasn't at the exhibit, but I was once stationed outside the building, and I'm pretty sure I saw I saw him in like a tux walking inside. Um, it might not have been him, but I tried to shout out to him. I don't think he heard me, or it wasn't him. Um, but yeah, there weren't any other um, VIPs. A lot of a lot of women with plastic surgery who had a lot of questions for me. It was very hard to look them in the eyes. It was very very <laughs> difficult. It like it hurt to look at them. It was re- Florida flashbacks. Florida flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you get you get fired from your job the same day you get an animation gig. No, it was the same. It wasn't the day I got the anim. It was oh, the same day as the to. session. Okay. So, and so I immediately went from getting fired to going over to a recording studio. Was this for a well-known like cartoon or show or something? It's or? for a very very cute cartoon called Saving Soup, which is on YouTube. Okay. And <laughs> it's like it's like for a three to seven year olds. It's like about these cave people discovering like the first invention like velcro and the water bucket and just like coming up with like solutions to various problems that the characters get involved in gotcha i love that velcro is included in that yeah as like a monumental invention um, i mean it is pretty monumental when you think about it i mean in some ways but we could have done without it <laughs> i mean yeah then no, this this podcast we I'm have taking, laces and we need nothing else yeah, i'm taking a hard stance against velcro <laughs> right now <laughs> oh my god so how so you've probably done a lot of like just random side voice acting gigs then right outside of your normal yeah a few like just like a little like a little website video or radio commercial here and there yeah okay um, what are what are some like mistakes you've made along the way Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh my oh that's tough um I would say, well, one of the big things is um, you need to ask. So if you're giving it to a client, you need to confirm exactly what audio specs they need to receive, whether mm-hmm. it be like a wave or versus MP3 file, right. different bit rates, 24-bit, 16-bit, all that stuff. You need to ask them beforehand exactly what they want, because if you record it natively in a lesser bit rate, you can't up, up it without like garbling the audio or, or something. So you need to basically cover all your bases before recording and uh okay stuff like that so it's it's mainly like very technical stuff very technical okay yeah have you have you ever given something over after a long time and had been the wrong specs and then had to go re-record it luckily no but the thing is like i'm very fortunate in that i i'm part of like a community of voice actors and oh, i'm sorry i'm touching the cable it's okay um, <laughs> i'm so i'm part of a community of voice actors uh here in new york and they it's very good that I was sort of able to learn from a lot of their mistakes, from their horror stories that they told me. I was like, oh, right. good to watch out for that stuff. So I was able, I was very, very fortunate starting out that I started out with like a strong network and a good sort of input of information and what to watch out for and other stuff like that. Okay. That's oh, cool. uh, actually, one thing that I, I'm glad, I, I actually don't regret any decisions, but I, I got involved with a manager. Um, very quickly after moving to New York, who represented me for commercial auditions and voiceover stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was only, and it was t- right, right before I would have signed again for another year that I found out from other people that he had a bit of shady d- business practices. Yeah. And, um, and, 
and in the I and that he he was a manager. He wasn't an agent, but he functioned only as an agent. He just sent me out on auditions. He didn't like manage my career or give me advice or anything. And so I didn't really feel comfortable giving him like a percentage of everything that I made. Right. Um, instead right. of um so yeah, and I was like, I would be willing to renegotiate terms and resign with you. And he was like, No. And I was like, Well, we're good then. Peace. Interesting. Okay. So I guess you would in hindsight, you would just not get a manager. It depends well, it depends on the manager. Depends right. on who it okay. is. It was very specifically him that I was like, and I don't regret being with him because I like I, I had a lot of commercial auditions. I got experience like that. I booked one thing, which was I was an extra in a Bollywood action movie. No shit. <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was an extra uh, for like two days work. Really nice pay for two days. Um, and uh, that was the only thing I ever booked with him. Was that movie shooting here in New York? Yeah, shooting okay. here in New York. It was really funny. Like the the casting crew didn't speak any English, and they didn't hire a translator. <laughs> so me and a bunch of other english speaking new york actors we were just very confused and very lost a lot of the two days <laughs> so so what was your background role i was just i think it was in a college campus within the city so i was just like a student or like a yeah. co-worker in the building or just something. walk by with like a notebook yeah. basically exactly yeah <laughs> just have sort of like business casual attire and yeah it's too bad there wasn't a tra- translator if they heard your voice they'd be like he needs to be the star yeah he needs to be the star. <laughs> yeah. No, but I actually looked up the um the lead actor who was like no, it was a Telugu film. I I may be mispronouncing that, but it's in India and he's his name was like Mahesh Babu and he's like the Brad Pitt of India. Okay. And I was just like, "Okay. Do you remember the movie name?" No. No. I don't remember the movie <laughs> name. Um I hope one day you are in a relationship with someone who's like, "Oh, I like to watch a Bollywood film here and there." And they put yeah. it on go through the whole movie and then one scene they're like wait is that you yeah <laughs> oh my god this is the movie <laughs> it's like that that uh sylvester stallone porno <laughs> yeah yeah it's like, oh yeah i remember you when i remember you when <laughs> so in in your like voice acting you i mean we, we talked about voice acting a bit but you're also an actor yeah so you went to school for theater. Mm-hmm. Have you? What have you? What have been your acting experiences after? Very college? few and very far between. Few, yeah. Very very little. I um yeah. I was I, I've been cast in very few things after college. I was in a sketch show, um, which was pretty fun. I um, and then I did a stage reading of a really cool play last year, and then I did like a a handful of uh, films. Um, just short films around the city, and that was pretty much it. Honestly, I really, yeah, I haven't done much, and I would like, to, and I'm definitely open to it in the future. Um, I'm actually, hopefully, will be involved in a, a stage reading of a possible series with a dude I met recently. Um, and so yeah, we're working out details of that, which will be cool. But, nice. Um, uh, but yeah, otherwise, I, I, just being honest, I really haven't done much. Um. To be fair, I um when I graduated college, pretty much soon after, I decided to focus solely on voiceover. Okay, and then I realized that I missed live performance a lot, and so I decided to get back into acting. And then I so I had a hiatus of like just saying no to any live show, any live performance of any kind. And so then I got into doing films again. I did a I made a temporary reel, and then I did a showcase that led nowhere. And then I and I, then I. 
and then and that was also while sorry what i think i think the showcase oh that was where you met my friend uh, amanda yeah, yeah I think, where we met on the subway yeah yeah i think that was the first time i really talked to you yeah was definitely. during your showcase trials or your, yeah your week and or we two. were yeah and we were yeah she and i we we had a very questionable experience we were like yeah we're probably not gonna go back there no. <laughs> so what, what was the event like what was what is the showcase for actors basically we were just given these um we were given these monologues we rehearsed them over a period and then you perform them in front of agents and managers and casting directors and so it very uh it was not a scam you get exactly what you paid for but it was we just had a really just kind of a rough experience where our uh director was a little abusive towards us and the organization just felt it just didn't feel honest or kind. And we were like, we just the people that we had to deal with. We were like, we don't want to see these people again. Right. It just wasn't a good experience. Gotcha. So it was a bringer show of kind of, yeah, (laughs) it was a little lower than a bringer show. I've had, I've had a much easier time at bringer show. (laughs) Much easier. (laughs) So, what is um what what drew you into acting? Like even though you haven't done a lot of it, but your voice acting yeah. as well. Like what kind of brought you into this world when you were growing up, I guess? Um when I was in middle school, I um my middle school sort of had their you could have sort of like a talent major. And so I was a singer, I was in vocal music in middle school, and I saw that the drama kids I thought were having a lot more fun. And so I was like, all right, let's focus on that for high school. And then I was like a theater kid in high school, always doing shows. And then I was like, oh, yeah, 100% continuing with this. Okay. And then I, um, yeah, I went to college for as a theater major. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. I like, I never got into the acting sphere. Never? At all. No. Not even like preschool, like any little thing? No. I, and and really? like the few times I had been on stage as a kid were like, you know, like your mandatory music class. Like, I don't know if you had that, but it was like, Oh, your class is all doing the winter thing. So now you guys got to all sing a song for the parents. Right. Okay. And the in sixth grade, I remember we had a um we had some type of like performance esque part thing where it was like music and like a performance and they made us do it. And I hated my music teacher. So I didn't tell my mom this was going on and I just (laughs) didn't go. And because my last name is A. Yeah, I was the front of like the line to coordinate everybody else. Oh, everyone was like the next day. Everyone was like, oh, my God, where were you? Where were you? We were so confused. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I was playing RuneScape at home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. No, I played um, I played trumpet in elementary school. Oh, really? (laughs) And um, I remember we we did. One time, me and like other people from my class, we went to perform in front of like preschoolers or like second graders or something, just like marginally younger kids. Huh. I have no idea what it was for. <laughs> I just, I have this, it's really just because I have a photo of it and that that's why it sort of burned into my memory a little more. Yeah. So you can like know like exactly you can remember it happened. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, uh, I'm guessing that sometimes so you started voice acting. 
Um, you're also a comedian as well. And we won't dig super deep into comedy because I'm yeah. trying to hit other. It's not topics. about comedy. Yeah, I mean, I don't like like the the issue with doing this podcast is that my entire network in New York City is comedians. Yeah. So I'm just and like, we're talking about the one thing. No, we're not allowed to talk about the one thing that connects us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. So we'll just do it. Do a minute though. So during yeah. when, where in your timeline does comedy start? Comedy starts. Uh, in summer last year, because okay. I um, right when I decided that I wanted to get back into acting, that was when I sort of had like a trifecta of life changes where I was like, all right, I want to get back into acting. I'm probably going to need a day job because I'm going to be spending more time just actively doing non-paid stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'm probably going to need a day job for like more steady income. And then I also wanted to get a therapist. I just I knew I because I had had a really bad experience previous year with insomnia and mm -hmm. I had gotten to a good place where I was healthy and sleeping and I um and I was like all right I'm not in a point of crisis but let's start therapy while I'm in a good place and right. so it was after a couple months of therapy that I was like I'm like feeling very confident in myself and in my body this is very new <laughs> and um and so I thought okay what do I want to do with this and I thought I really need to try stand up because I've been obsessed with it ever since I was like 13. Mm -hmm. And I briefly sort of tried it when I was in college. I joined this group called the Comedy Forum. Okay. They, they put on shows around campus and they had this like weekly workshop on Sundays where you basically just sit in a circle and workshop jokes. And I did that maybe just a couple times and it just filled me with so much anxiety. I was like, I can't go back. I'm not ready. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I am. Um, but uh, after a few months of therapy, I was like, okay, I think. I was like, I think I'm ready to take a class. I think that's a good stepping stone into like open mics and stuff. And so I took a class that started in June and it ended in August with a show. Okay. And then you started going out and hitting mics and yeah. doing the thing. And it was exactly what I needed. It was literally one of the best decisions I ever made. It was oh, exactly yeah. what I needed for my senses and boundaries and stuff. I was like, that was perfect. It really was. Same. It, it was like, I tell people it's like my, uh, it's my not racist red pill. It's like, like comedy when I started comedy was like, oh, my world has changed. Like this is the thing I need. Do you, do you find that stand-up comedy scratches your acting itch? Yes. Yeah? Definitely. It's, if anything, I would say them, because I still definitely love and would love to pursue acting, but there's something just a, it's a much higher high when doing stand-up because <laughs> um, people laugh they're not just yeah. sitting in silence while you mill about on stage it's also that you have so much more control over what you're performing right and right. um and so much of like me wanting to perform was feeling i just had a lot of fear growing up of being judged for what i said and so yeah and i was very i was very afraid to try improv to just go off the top of my head because i was afraid that i would say something <laughs> embarrassing or offensive or something and um you're, you're afraid you'd break into a donald duck impression for every scene <laughs> that would be better um but yeah and so acting for me was like it attracted me because it's someone else's words and so it was like just putting over a mask and like okay i don't need to worry about if these words are okay to say it because mm. they're someone else's and i can sort of let loose in someone else's car instead of the car that i built whoa that's a good way to put it I always thought that was the interesting thing about acting is that like I've thought about this too is it's like people I <laughs> like I don't think I think you can be like a failed actor I don't think you can be like a failed comedian 
Hmm. Because if you're a failed comedian, you can go to an open mic and still practice your art. If you're hmm. like, oh, I want to do this and I want to just get out and practice my thing, even if yeah. no one likes it, everyone hates me, I can still get on stage and tell jokes. As, a, as an actor, you're asking people to pr- like be a part of the performance. Exactly. Like, yeah. you, like you don't just get to go and just do something unless you put together like an independent film or production or something. Yeah. You have to wait until someone signs off on you. Like we want this person to be a part of our thing. hundred percent. There's so many more elements in play with acting that, that you all, that you hinge on. So, so care. And so, Yeah. I know I lost my train of thought, but but yeah, you said it perfectly. Like there's so many, (laughs) there's so many other variables in play. Like there's so many other things you need in order to perform. Whereas with stand up, it's pretty much just you. Yeah. The only, so if you're someone that like wants to be in control and be able to do it on your own schedule and stuff, definitely it makes sense to do comedy. What? Okay. What in, um, so we we know a ton of comedians, obviously. You yeah. probably actually know some actors as well. Mm-hmm. What are the differences between actors and comedians in their like personalities and approach to their profession? Oh, there are many. I I'm, I wouldn't say this about my personal friends who are actors, but there are worse people. <laughs> Actor on the whole, you will find more insufferable people in the acting world. <laughs> that is just, well. This is the reason why is because. Although acting is a craft, there are people that undoubtedly are masters at it Mm -hmm. that are just so good and you watch and you're like, God, that that person put in a lot of work. But the thing is, there are a lot of actors. Well, it's very easy. It is kind of easy to do acting like a child can do it. (laughs) Literally a child. No, this is I'm pretty much just stealing a Jim Jeffries joke, but like a child can do acting and not any whereas anyone can kind of do acting. Not anyone can kind of do comedy. Right. I guess that's a good point. And there's, yeah. there's certain people that are, I guess, would be very bad people, but yeah. are trying to skate by on like appearance and like exactly. ability instead. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And, I and think- it also, it sort of, it also attracts a certain kind of person that really wants to be like, that just wants attention. Yeah. Like that, that is the kind of person that is very often attracted to acting. Right. Oh, I mean, and I'll have no problem saying, like, when I was a kid, I was attracted to acting because I wanted attention. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I will say, like, I, I the, the theater kid stereotype comes from exactly. somewhere. Like, exactly. And not to shit on you. You're a beautiful person. And amazing, oh, no. And so. M- so many of my friends that I'm still super close with all came from, like, high school theater that I did theater with in college. And, yeah. like, a lot of them I'm still very, very close with. And they're all delightful people that I love. That being said, there are many other people that I've seen at auditions who I hope I never see again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, th- I definitely feel your like attention thing. Yeah. Like that's very much me. Like stand up was so good for me in a way because it felt like, oh, here's a place where my voice can be heard and I yeah. can like do a fun thing. And like, it's not like I need people to be like, kissing my feet and asking for my autograph or anything like that it's just this like oh i can get on stage and i can make a crowd laugh and have fun and that is like i don't care if you remember me afterward but like that laughter is like that instant validation of like cool exactly it like fills that weird hole in your heart i don't know (laughs) it's just nothing feels better it really well 
there but few things feel better few things feel better mm-hmm. than like hearing just like a room full of people gut busting laugh it's the best yeah is there is there something that actors do that you wish comedians did or is there something that you think comedians could learn from actors i definitely do i think there's a lot to be said for just basic stage training just like because <laughs> move the mic stand yeah um <laughs> But just the idea of just like standing up straight with a relaxed posture and speaking out to the audience, enunciating, having some sort of experience with performance and enunciating your words. And a lot of the time, there have been a number of comedians who I thought, I really see how this comedian could be good. I just, I want them to look out at me and express with their face more. And I want them to enunciate their words better and also... Like they might be nervous, they might be sort of jostling the mic around in their hand and it's not really always directed at their mouth. So just sort of just learning the basics of being a person on stage speaking in front of an audience that yeah. I think actors generally get, that is something that I that I think almost any comedian can benefit from if they don't come from an acting background, 100%. Interesting. Okay, because I, I once heard from someone, it was some comedian, and they told me they were like... um Acting classes did more to improve my stand-up than improv classes did. Mm. And I was like, that's such an interesting take, but that like makes total sense. It's just the well, stage presentation. Well, it's also that you aren't trying... The, this is a very one of my favorite quotes uh, from Gene Wilder. Is he, said, um, he said, don't make it funny, make it real. I'm an actor, not a clown. And I just, I really... Interesting. I really, really love that quote because... If you, obviously in comedy, you're trying to make stuff, you're obviously trying to be funny, but you're, but, um, you're trying to have like the material be funny on its own. Right. So you shouldn't be like constantly like winking to the crowd or like doing like jazz hands or anything like you should be just, um, and not totally be monotonous and just rely solely on the word, but, um, being writing something as funny and great as you can but then just performing it as truly and as real as you can and just right that's a good way to put it and if you're telling like a story just play like the reality of the story and then the story will be trusting that the story is funny right um and so i think that um just that skill of learning to trust yourself as a performer trusting what you have written and then playing it as seer as as most real as you can that is something that i think you can learn in acting classes that I think would just skyrocket you in your ability to tell jokes and perform. Why are you looking at me so intensely, Lucas? <laughs> are you saying I need to improve? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I yeah. think um, in my comedy experience, I've found that when you write like jokes line by line and you're like, this is funny. And you go on stage and you start just doing the lines. Sometimes it's like, this is so robotic because mm. I've just remembered the lines and I come from the other angle typically where I have a funny premise or like an idea of where I want something to go and I go on stage and rant about it and it might be like 20 seconds of not funny, but then it's at least organic when I finally get it into its final form. Like, how yeah. do I talk about this? Well, also, if you're ranting, that is something that comes from your soul. You're just you're expressing a real emotion. Right. And right. so that is just what is real for you. That is of the content of what you're doing, that is what's real. That's what's in your heart. And so if if you can, so if that is funny, then just as real as you can make it is what's going to make it effective. Right, right. That makes sense. 
Yeah. Do you have, um, is there like a specific genre of acting that you're into? Or I guess a type of, I guess like you, just like genre in terms of like film genre or like are you into film or into TV? Are you into like, is there something that drew you to it? Are you like a theater Shakespeare kind of person? Are you a musical kind of person? I was definitely more into um, straight plays rather than musical. I did musicals in high school. Um, but um, one of my favorite films of all time is 12 Angry Men. Have you okay. seen the movie? I have not. It's a spectacular movie. It's about, basically it's about a jury going over a case um, in just one room, essentially. Okay. I and, like the one room movies. It's very yeah. cool. And it's just spectacular acting, really interesting characters. And um, yeah, I would say one of the, and one of my favorite, another favorite film of my, of all time is young Frankenstein. Okay. And it's another thing of Gene Wilder did, is that it's, it's people playing a comedy as if it's a drama, as if it's, as if it's not funny because okay. the characters don't know something's funny. You know, it's funny watching it, but to the characters, it's just, it's just what reality is. They're not, they're right. They have real situations. They have, um, and it's you watching it that makes it funny. That's what I feel like. That's like that movie, the death of Stalin. Oh, I love that movie so much. So, it's so good. It's so good. And, yeah. That is a, that's a great, that's a great movie to bring up. Yeah. And I think it's like that, the way they wrote that movie is like, Yes, they wrote it with humor in mind. Yeah. But when you actually think about these real events that probably happened, yeah. is these guys were just shitting their pants in terror over what to do. Yeah. And but they put this comedic spin on it where it's like, oh yeah, this this is good. I love this. It's so good. Oh my god, it's so good. What uh what drew you away from musicals? As someone who, quote, needs attention, yeah. <laughs> why not do musical? Um I just knew it's it might have to do a little bit with my parents. My parents are very a little bit jaded against musicals like my they just they really hate musicals. <laughs> they really, really hate musicals. And that sort of rubbed off on me because my parents showed me a lot of really good film and TV growing up. And my taste is very much based on what they showed me. OK. And, and they were uh, like, no musicals in this yeah. household. We are a comedy drama house. Yes. Yeah, kind okay. of. My dad was like, I do like cabaret, though. Cabaret is quite good. <laughs> okay, what's cabaret? I'm uninformed. It's, um, there's a movie of it with Liza Minnelli made in the 80s. It's, and it's basically, it's, um... Oh, cabaret is the name of, of the, the musical. musical. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, it's about, um, it's about a cabaret theater and this one performer. Oh, hello. Um, it's okay. It'll, the noise gate will get it. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> there's people in put the my room next editing to me skills to the test. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cabaret. So it's about um a cabaret theater and this performer. I forget her name that Liza Minnelli uh, plays, but um, and it takes place in the beginnings of Nazi Germany. Okay. And my dad liked it because he said every single song that's sung is something that would actually happen in the real world. It's not people just bursting into song. It's it's not like that. It's like it's songs that would actually take place at this cabaret theater. So it was, it was almost just like a movie that happened to have musical songs in it. Gotcha. So it's a very natural it was vibe. Very, yeah, very, very naturalistic. Okay. See, I like, I like musicals like here and there. Like, yeah. I don't, not like, I've never been and seen like a live musical, which I know is a sin for New York. But like um, the one, one stood out in particular that I just mm -hmm. hated. I hated Moulin Rouge. 
Oh, I haven't seen it. Uh, well, okay. The, I guess the gist of it is it probably would have been a good, good musical. But mm-hmm. the pro- in my opinion, the problem was they use modern songs. Okay. And they use them in the past. So right. I get, I, I know like Hamilton is like, like the, <laughs> the king yeah. of like doing that. But this, it just it felt, it didn't, it didn't fit right away. It, didn't it was a little fit. forced. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is not the best have you ever seen a knight's tale uh it's a really good movie it has heath ledger it's from like 2000 i think and uh, it has a lot of um modern rock and pop songs like the first song played in the film is we will rock you okay and it's like crap and it's like these crowds getting ready to watch a jousting match between knights and they're singing we and they're singing we will rock you okay and they have these like (laughs) long trumpets that have the same sound as like the electric guitar and it's like that's not what comes out of that Ooh, I gotta watch that now. I it's like an that. amazing movie. I like it's that really, to... really good. That's good. Okay, cool. <laughs> I gotta keep it in mind. I'm a, I do this thing. You know, it as a listener of my other podcast, that I miss every reference ever. <laughs> Are you talking about small town radio? That's right. I am. <laughs> okay, so we got a, a little bit of time left. Um, okay. I guess so. Is there anything you want to throw in about voice acting before I inevitably ask you about your TikTok experience? <laughs> um, is there? Can you make it more specific? Anything? I guess. Um, okay. I guess we'll just narrow it down here. Um, yeah. Is there anything? What would you tell someone who wants to start voice acting? I would say invest in classes. Invest in classes and coaching, and figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are understand exactly what the job is like and figure out like what areas you want to pursue basically just get training first and then get advice of where to move next in terms of like getting equipment or investing in a demo um figure that out with a good coach who knows their stuff and um yeah and then and obviously um well not obviously seek out a community there's a ton of communities online that would love to help anyone interested. Um, and that's, it made all the difference for me starting out. And so find a community um, and get coaching and understand that it is indeed acting. But it's also really fun, really flexible, and a great job. So yeah. Okay, cool. Is there a uh, don't do this that comes to mind for new people? I would say, oh yes, do not, if a class says four classes with me and we'll make you a demo by the end of the class, all for X amount of dollars, stay away from anything that says like you're going to get a demo out of this class. I What should happen is like you take a class that'll be like for six or eight weeks. I don't know. And then at the end, you can ask your teacher, like, what do you think of my skills? Do you think I should take another class? Do you think I'm ready for making a demo? Mm -hmm. And then making a professional, usually a commercial demo is like the first one you make. Um, Because that's like, it's pretty like, it's pretty applicable in any other um, kind of areas. Like what it's just, it's a good, it's a good demo to start off with. And, um, and that should, it's not something that you should skimp out on. It's not something you should make yourself it's something that you should hire a professional to produce for you. Okay. And so, so yeah, invest in coaching. Make sure it's only just a simple class with a good coach. And then when you're ready for a demo, make sure you uh, select someone who is a professional demo producer who knows what the industry is going through and can uh, make something that'll be perfect for your voice. Okay. That makes so, yeah. sense. That's good, good Take advice. Take stuff step by step. 
There you go. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Don't skip ahead. Yes. Okay. And um, let's see. So your voice acting has led you to a very interesting situation with TikTok. Mm-hmm. So you are, I, I'm going to say it, TikTok famous. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, All right. All he right. said it. I didn't. I didn't say it. <laughs> I guess I'm TikTok famous. Okay. <laughs> so a, a lot of uh, Lucas's TikToks is you do, you either do the uh, the mirror rant. Yeah. You ever, you ever think about this? Yeah, yeah. You have some of your stand-up clips. Which I'm, I will unashamedly say I just copied from other people on TikTok because yeah. so many other people take videos in, in your bathroom mirror. I was like, I guess I should do this. Yep. This is the mirror, right? So just shameless theft. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but your your main draw is yeah. that you do impressions on TikTok. Yeah. You uh, that that's what got you to blow up, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. What was what was the first TikTok impression you did that really got noticed? The first one that real oh the first one that I remember the first one that did significantly better than my other ones was me doing Ben Kenobi. Um, yeah. when he was like. Okay, I'm bored in the house, and I'm in the house, bored, bored in the house, and it was just doing that. It's so good, and like the sort of situation, the situation I thought of was uh, him just waiting for Luke Skywalker to grow up. Oh, because okay. like <laughs> yeah. nothing happens his whole childhood, so he's just sitting around in the desert waiting for something to happen um, <laughs> most of that time. Um, and so I just I and so because th- the thing is like my strategy was I thought okay there are these trends. Find a way to put your own spin on them, right? And there right. was, and there was that song "Board in the House" that was like really big. A lot of people using that audio, and I thought right, I'm going to try to do my own version, put my own spin on it. Mm-hmm. And so that got a little bit of recognition, where I was like, "All right, I've got some new followers." And then I did another um, Star Warsy video where it was, um, it was like the situation was Luke Skywalker after the events of Return of the Jedi, and it was a Ron Swanson impression, and it was him at like the um, at Tashi Station going, just give me all the power converters you have. <laughs> <laughs> and um and that got me a little bit more. And then I did um it was um the first one that got a quite a lot of attention was um auditions for Carol Baskin the musical. And okay. uh, or okay. no the stage play. And it was um and I did like a bunch of impressions. It was like Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ron Swanson, Christopher Walken, uh, Donald Duck, and a bunch of other ones. And um and that got a lot of attention. And I um I remember like Netflix's official account on TikTok commented under saying like the, that Ron Swanson impression sent me. And I was like, what? I was <laughs> I was just like, they commented. Um and yeah, so that got me a lot of uh, attention. And then it was like not that much for a while up until I did like the first um I love it when you call me Senorita. Video, oh yeah, the classic. With, yeah, with um John Mulaney and other ones. Okay. Yeah. So you you've only been doing TikTok since like the beginning of the quarantine, right? Yeah, March 19th was my first video. Like literally the day they were like everybody get inside. You're like it's time to start a TikTok. <laughs> Not like the day I got inside, but it was like a few days in I thought, all right, it's going to be a while before stand up starts again. And I thought I want I want a creative outlet. I want something to just mess around with okay yeah I, yeah and it's proved hugely fruitful for you it's been good yeah <laughs> it's been good it's been, it's been, been right. good it's been okay <laughs> really cranking up those instagram numbers really yeah. bumping it up you've got a 
too many followers. You have <laughs> on TikTok, you have um, probably several hundred thousand times the amount of followers that I have. <laughs> Wait, are you on TikTok? No, I don't make videos. I oh, just, oh I just yeah, learn. you are. I send you yeah. stuff. Of course. Yeah. You. Yeah. For, how did I forget? That was shameful. Bad Lucas. Um, yeah. But yeah, you, you've done great on that. Um, let, let me think. Uh, what did I want to ask about this? Oh, yeah. Um, do you feel external pre- do you feel pressure now to perform on TikTok and to keep, a little bit keep the the train rolling a little bit like I, you it's inevitable you compare yourself to other people and not how much how much following they have I don't I try not to do that but just how much they're posting right right um, and it will be a lot more than I do most I've ever done is 4 in a day That's and that was so a lot. many I know yeah and I've like I've only done one today. I'm probably not going to do many more today. Um, but so yeah, what's what's like the baseline? Generally, it's advised that you do at least four a day. It's that's what's advised. And who advises this? Excuse me. Just like TikTok, they're really like, hey, just be active on our app. Just like post a lot of stuff, and that's yeah. Four times a day is ludicrous. I know. I know. I'm like podcasts this is going to release once a week yeah and that's like <laughs> exactly that's like good it's like yeah now i don't have to worry about this but yeah 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 i was doing a photography project for a bit where i was posting once a day on instagram it gets exhausting doesn't yeah it? it's like if i can go out and it, it was all like um it's all like nighttime yeah. like urban like cyberpunk themed mm. so it's a very specific niche of photos yeah and in order to get a bunch of them i just have to go off and lurk into the city after dark and it's like i can get 12 but yeah. then my schedule fills up and on the 13th day i'm like oh. oh yeah and even once a day is a lot so i can't imagine being a four times per day creator it's also that a lot of other creators because of quarantine, they may not be working. Right. Or they're like home from college or whatever. And so I think they have a little bit more time than I do because I'm still working. I still have voiceover work mm-hmm. that I do. And now that doing more and more open mics with you and other friends of ours. And so I'm there's other stuff to do in my day. And right. so I just I don't have as much time as I did maybe as or as or as other people do to spend on TikTok. I just I just don't really have that much time. And so I'm just really trying yeah. to do at least a few, one or two videos a day now. I mean, you are an adult, so I would hope that you exactly, have yeah. other stuff going on. <laughs> Thing is also like live streaming as well. Like a lot of people are like, you should live stream more because you'll get like uh, gifts from people that uh, see you on your, on your live stream. And that's a good way to make some extra money. I'm like, okay. And the thing is like, because I do so many impression videos, people are like, do this person saying this or this person singing. And it just, and I tried to do that at first and it would get, it would really get vocally exhausting by the end of it. Yeah. And so now when, if, and when I do live stream, because I find it, I do find it quite tiring just on its own, but I'll be like, Hey guys, I can't do many impressions. If you want me to stay on this live stream, I can't do that many. <laughs> like it, it get, it gets tiring. So what do you do with the rest of your time? If, if just like answering questions about like okay. life and stuff. And like they, sometimes I go uh, questions about stand up and uh, about my life story and stuff. And, and sometimes we just like nerd it. And sometimes it's really fun to like, just nerd out with like questions, like hypothetical situations of like what would happen in the Harry Potter world or star Wars, just like nerd conversations. Yeah, yeah. And those are the, and those are actually really fun sometimes. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. What do you, um, I, I, I can't be like, Oh, compare it to being Twitter famous, but like, <laughs> but like what, what do you think is the 
like do you is there any benefit to your comedy career or your voice acting or acting that has happened through tiktok has it improved the other areas of your life it definitely has like um i've had job offers because people found me on tiktok and they were like oh we're looking for a voiceover artist um and um i've had other comedians reach out to me to like collab on various stuff and so you've been able to like make connections on stuff um someone uh, asked me today if i wanted to be on his podcast which is like pretty cool nice um, another podcast besides another maxims <laughs> yeah um but yeah so that so yeah definitely yeah very very clear benefits of stuff that has taken off tiktok have you made been really good have you done a tiktok that has become a stand-up bit yet no i am um, I have not. I well, the thing is, I sort of think if I do it on TikTok, it's sort of like burned material, right? And so, if it's something that I know I just can't really translate to stand up, because like if it's stand up, I want it to be really punchy and funny and like quick. But if it's something like a little bit of a more extensive story, right? Or maybe just not as funny, but maybe a little more poignant, then I'll do that for TikTok. Or if it's something that is just like a really quick joke that is just like a cute pun or something or something just silly then i'll think all right use this for like twitter or tiktok or something gotcha okay it basically sort of like how long can you draw it out and mm-hmm. then what can you and then if it's only so short then use it on social media but if you can really draw it out and get a lot of meat and um i shouldn't say meat you're a vegan uh, it's, it's okay <laughs> brock get if you can get brock. a lot of brock out of it yeah um, <laughs> um if you can get a lot out of it then i would think all right maybe save this for stand-up so it's all so it's sort of like um just instinct with timing yeah I, I think that that makes sense like i do the same thing like if i have like a really good bit that i think of yeah it goes in the jokes if i have like a shorter like idea that i'm like i don't know if i want to do a bunch with this just yeah. throw it on twitter like yeah. that's kind of my my jam what uh what are you who are your favorite tiktokers do you have anyone that you're particularly inspired by or did you just kind of start a tiktok and start doing your own thing well, one of the first people I followed is uh, someone I'm actually friends with now. Her name is Liz. Uh, her uh, username is Laws Claws, L-O-Z-C-L-A-W-S. And she, um, and she's like a friend of mine now. And, um, she actually helps me uh, with like stuff a little bit, like how to deal with like weird requests from followers <laughs> um, and weird DMs. Um, yeah, she's, and she's awesome. And she does a lot of, um, she's, it's very hard to describe, but she's just really funny. She did a lot of um, content about like what it was like as a theater kid, and I was like, "Oh, I identify." Yeah. And um, <laughs> and she's just she's just a very poignant, cool, nice person. She's like, um, I think she's still in college, and she's like a political science major, and she posts um, sketches sometimes that she's like collabed with other people, and she's just super talented. I really and she's awesome. That's awesome. And, so, yeah. and then there's also Mr. Hamilton, who's like very very famous on TikTok, and we he and I um, and a bunch of other voice actors, um, we did a, um, a charity live stream on Twitch. Oh, on, um, that was, I was at your show Saturday and I had to leave. It was because I had to go. to do that. That's why I left early. Otherwise I would have stayed for the whole show, but I went to do this, um, (laughs) this live stream where we, um, it was sort of like talking tunes with Rob Paulson, where we basically just did our various impressions that we do doing like famous scenes from film and TV. Oh, that's fun. And so it was, (laughs) And he and so Mr. Hamilton was on it, and um, and he he's somewhat he's just super famous on TikTok, and he also does a bunch of really good impressions, and it was super fun. And he's just one of the loveliest people on the planet. That's awesome. 
you're going to pretty soon you're going to be asked to move out to L.A. to a house full of TikTokers where all you guys <laughs> do is make videos all day. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're like, I'm a comedian. I get on stage once a month because my TikTok <laughs> schedule is too full and traffic is too bad. Uh, I still can't drive. I still don't have a I still don't have a license or anything. Have you ever driven? No. Wow. I, grew up, I was born and raised here, bro. Oh, my gosh. That's that's just wild to me. I know. Like, I've always thought like I should probably just get a permit. I should just make that first step, but I've just I, I've always procrastinated it. This always. would be the worst place to get your first permit for driving. It's not good. I yeah. think if you if you wanted to start driving, when you go on like a family vacation or something, yeah, like just ask someone to teach you to drive in like the Midwest or wherever, yeah, whatever, anywhere place. outside yeah. of the city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I had a rental car for a week and a half here, and I was the most stressed out I've been in a long time just by just trying to commute through like Brooklyn and stuff. It was, yeah, it was, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'm gonna ask you this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask you to do this, and I'm so sorry. Will you say? This is Don't Quit Your Day Job in Various Impressions. Will you do that for me? Otherwise, I will cut this part out <laughs> and pretend like I never asked so it. It's okay. So it's This is Don't Quit Your Day Job. Yeah. Okay. This is Don't Quit Your Day Job. Okay. Um, this is Don't Quit Your Day Job. <laughs> this is Don't Quit Your Day Job. Wow. This is Don't Quit Your Day Job. Why so light though? You know this is this is don't quit your day job. Put Max and Allen. <laughs> uh, turkey whiskey. What, what's in it? What is that? Who, who's the wild turkey? That was, I was trying to do Matthew McConaughey. Oh, okay. No, it's wild turkey. Is is he in the wild turkey commercials? I feel like he is. I think yeah. so. Yeah, just drank some wild turkey whiskey with Max and Allen on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like driving the uh the lincoln or the buick or whatever he drives yeah yeah, and yeah. He's like, Man. and he's <laughs> like he's like... rubbing something in between his fingers and he, he just don't really know what it is because he's so damn smooth <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing like quitting your day job there's nothing like quitting your day job on a sunday afternoon with a run <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, I always feel bad. Like, I didn't like, should I, and you should. I should. Yeah. <laughs> you disgusting. Yeah. Okay. Now, the, the rest, the last 15 minutes of the show, okay. you're going to do impressions the whole time. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I guess, uh, I wanted to ask this. So, in the previous episode, I talked with, uh, Caleb Clark, who you mm-hmm. know, and he's a very, a very visual person creatively, mm-hmm. creatively. So, he always did like, like visual art, he did clothing, videos, photography, yeah. and all of your art is centered around like performance and like yeah. what you bring as your own person to the stage. Like I would you, say so. you are the focal point of your art. It sounds selfish the way you put it. it. <laughs> I mean, I'm a comedian too. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm literally doing a no, podcast. I would definitely where I'm agree. The only host, so. I would definitely agree with that. It's very definitely focused on me and performance. Yeah, for sure. So, do you have um? Do you have any like? Uh, do you feel like that is? Does does that create any internal issues for you sometimes? Do you ever think like this is this is something I deal with? Is like tell me tell me what you go okay. Through. So uh, sometimes I'm like, am I only doing this? 
because the only reason I feel like I actually exist or that anyone will remember me is that I put myself out there and create like this performance or these other things. Like, do you feel mm. like, do you have like an existential relationship to performance? Like, do you feel like if you weren't performing that you would be able to fulfill your, your itch the same way? I probably, I was actually talking to someone a few months ago um, and she was telling me that because she also does stand up and she was like, I would probably be just as happy if I was like a writer on like a, a late night show or a sitcom or something, or if I was just like a YouTuber, just like just doing something creative that mm-hmm. had an audience somewhere. It doesn't have to be laughing necessarily at me. It just has to be, um, I just want to be able to express myself and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I need to perform. I need to be in front of people. <laughs> I want to laugh. I want them to laugh at me. I want to be there. I was like, it was very, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm really, um, yeah, I was, I was like, I was not as wholesome as I would like to be in that yeah. moment. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, pro- I'm really just, yeah, I am, um, oh, I, n- I never went down like that rabbit hole of like, I, oh, do I need to perform like an unhealthy amount? Like, is this something? Mm-hmm. I will say like, generally, I think I have like a healthy rhythm of like, just well, it's also that I live alone. Yeah. And so a lot of my time is, and also I work alone. I spend time so, I spend so much time just in a booth on my own. And like first few months of quarantine were like very rough for me. I went yeah. through like a really dark period. Um, Hence and so the TikTok. Be, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, because so much of, maybe it's just because of the stage I am in life right now. Yeah. Just like sort of what my general rhythm is at this point in my life. But um so much of my time just is kind of on my own so mm. i just i really um and so now we're back to a l- more and more and more back to like seeing other comedians just um distancing and outside and rooftops and stuff and that just makes so much difference in my life it's, and so maybe if i was had a different job if, if other elements in my life had a little more interaction with other people it would be different mm. but right now i would say i do not rely, but I really crave on, I really crave live performance and being with people. Interesting. Yeah. yeah Cause you, you definitely have like the two polar opposite worlds. Exactly. That, like, yeah. And it was like right before quarantine, I had, I thought I just had like the perfect rhythm, like going out every night at open mics and during the day I would have like work and then go out for a walk and then finish up and then go out and see people. And it was like a perfect rhythm for me. And then it was just like all at home all the time. I was like, ah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> see my rhythm before quarantine was bad because I was spending so much time out. Like I go to work during the day and then I would spend so much time doing comedy and like just getting my doing, just run around doing the comedy, like creative shit, yeah. you know, meeting with people doing like the podcast and recording and doing all these different things that I was like exhausted. And when quarantine hit, I'm very fortunate in that I could start working from home. Yeah. But now late quarantine, it's the perfect blend because I get to work at home all day yeah. and chill and not be like in an office and have to commute. But then in the evenings, I can go out exactly. and do the stand up. And I, I, you like, I guess um, when I moved here for the first time, like I came here to do stand up. Yeah. My whole thing was I don't want any friends <laughs> outside of comedy. Like, I was like, I'm going to come to New York City. I'm going to make friends with comedians because I want to be surrounded with the people that are doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And it was, it was the best choice ever. I've met so many awesome people. And, like, 
no one is just a comedian. Everyone has so many more things. Yeah. So. Well, if you're starting out, it, that's kind of out of necessity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone's got a fallback plan. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, like just starting, stand- really, I attribute it a lot to th- starting therapy is just so many things in my life just improved significantly. Yeah. Being able to actually sort of like trust my own instincts and started stand up. I even tried like a few improv classes. It was just everything in my life got better. Mm-hmm. Everything in my life. And I attribute that so much to therapy and especially to stand up. I was hoping you were just going to say everything got better because of stand up. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I would say, like it was the it was the the therapy was the yeah like the press that like was the planted, catalyst. It planted the seed, and yeah, then like, that was like the catalyst that like opened the door for me. And then I was like, ah, there's a new world. Yeah, yeah. and then like yeah, I just I I love being around comedians so much. It's the best. It's so much fun. Oh, what was the last thing? Oh yeah. Okay, it's so. boring to hang out with non-comedians after you hang out with like a lot of comedians. It is. Just a little bit. It is. And I when I go on like work, like business trips oh, or we have work retreats. You, you poor sweet summer child. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I work with some very nice people. They're, I they're like nice. them. They're nice. But they won't stop talking about work. So if we go to yeah. an event at a restaurant, we're all just drinking. I'll be trying to just talk to people about whatever they got going on in their life, but then someone will come up with a work question, and then I just like leave the conversation. I'm like, yeah, I want to hear about your grandkids. I want to hear about the restaurant you ate at last week. Yeah. Just give me something that isn't generating income for someone else. <laughs> it's also, I think, that being a comedian, you have to inherit in you has to be a little bit of self-awareness, mm-hmm. which... I think on average is a lot higher in comedians than it is with the rest of people. I think so too. Most other people don't have, it's not as necessary for them to be self-aware. Yeah. I think what, what happens is once you become a comedian and you want to, you want to make it and you want to be successful and be good at it, you take yourself from a life where you graduate and you get a job, you find a girlfriend, you get married, you have kids, you go on vacation, you chill, Mm -hmm. you put yourself into a new timeline that's sink or swim. Like, yeah, it's like sink or swim. You figure it out or you're going to get left behind. And so now it's like, OK, I need to network. I need to learn how to talk to people and how to interface yeah. with people and collaborate with people. And you put yourself like it's just, it was a whole new world for me. So it yeah. was it was awesome. though. I'm sure. But I'm sure that like being in the acting kind of theater community, yeah. you kind of had that like it's definitely foresight. it has that similar fragility um, as stand up fragility. Well, yeah, because like you, because in a typical career path, you don't, you're not as always vying for people's attention. You're always, you're not as testing out your skills. You just like have a job or, and then you, like you said, you know, get a family, you get Mm -hmm. a house, you do all that typical stuff. Whereas like, I think just pretty much being in any artistic field is, um, is that you, you set your life up to, it's risky. It's just riskier. And so I think that is something that, that is something that's very shared between, any kind of artistic. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I had like a a little crisis on my birthday this year because oh, no. I was like, I'm one year older and I'm still a stand-up comedian. And every year I get older is less time I have to figure it out before I'm like, I got to have kids, right? Like I want to have kids. Yeah, like yeah, I got to yeah, figure this out before I have kids. So it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, another year, another year. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> It's, I mean, like, there are people that have, like, just kids later in life. You know, it's just, like, my, my dad was 51 when I was born. Wow. And here's the thing. He looked like he was 40. 
Yeah. My dad, look, my dad is one very positive quality I will say about my dad is that he looks amazing for his age. <laughs> and so, and so every, everybody has a different timeline. That's what I really come to learn as I oh, get older sure. is like everyone's timeline or journey is different. Mm-hmm. I definitely like that was something I learned in college because yeah. I definitely had my failures and my screw ups and it took me five years to graduate. And when I graduated, I didn't even have a job lined up where all of my other peers graduated yeah. in four and they had jobs right away. But I just had to tell myself, I'm going to get through it. This is my own pace. Do It'll you, work out. Do you take a moment to sort of take stock of all the about the triumphs you've had? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I, d- I definitely do. Because <laughs> you have, well, right now you have, you have two, po- you, well, more than anything, it's like you need a mentality of being able to make stuff happen for yourself. Yeah. That is, that is genuinely like, I remember when I didn't get my senior acting showcase at college that I immediately started auditioning for shows in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I was still like just super depressed about not getting this showcase. Yeah. And my acting teacher said, I am so happy that that was your reaction. Yeah. He was like, I'm so happy that your reaction was to sort of like, just basically you learned grit. Mm-hmm. Like you learned that you had to like make stuff happen for yourself and go out and make stuff. And I didn't, I didn't get anything from the audition, <laughs> but, um, but you tried, yeah. you put yourself out there. And it, I, and I will say it's something that pushed me onto TikTok. I was like, I, I was like, I'm just, I need an outlet. I'm gonna try this out, see what happens. And I was, I was very, I'm very proud that I sort of didn't just like sink it or wallow in my loneliness at home. And not only <laughs> did like, you yeah. not wallow in your loneliness, you exploded into a regular face on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. I should, I, I forwarded my brother one of your videos one time. Yeah. And he goes, this kid kills it with a bunch of like crying faces. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. I was like, this is one of my comedy friends. And he was like, what? He's like, oh I see god. this kid. I'm, I see him on my For You page all the time. Like, oh, my God. That's so <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, Claire. Um, yeah. She um, she told me that. Um, well, she, well, she um, well, we were at one of Lee's open mics and. Um, and uh, and she was like. Sorry, sorry. Lee, Lee being my co-producer of open mics and shows, yes. and Claire being another comedian. Claire being another comedian. So, um, we took a picture that she could send to her, um, uh, her cousin, and because she was like, "Oh, my cousin's a fan." I was like, "Oh, this is so fun!" And then she, and then I was like, "Hey, did your cousin respond?" And she was like, "No." I was like, "Kill her. She's done. She's out, <laughs> She's She's done. out of the family. Canceled." <laughs> yeah, man. If I if I did have like a fourteen year old like cousin, I would be like blowing their mind right now. I'd be like. Guess what? I just got one more listener on the podcast. <laughs> another oh my god, another thing. My cousin, I actually have a cousin. He's like 19 or 20 though. He um he was on Hinge and he sent me a screenshot of him like responding to a prompt of some of a girl's profile on Hinge where they said, like, I'm a John Mulaney fan. And he was like, Yo, you should check out Lucas T. Arnold on TikTok. And he's he sent me the screenshot and he said, Don't say I never did nothing for you. <laughs> That's amazing. I was like, Damn, dude. <laughs> so I guess, okay, so kind of final question here before we like wrap this up and don't worry about time, but yeah, throughout your creative career as mm-hmm. a voice actor, actor, comedian, TikToker, mm-hmm. podcast guest, what is there like, do you have like a moral of your story? Do you have like a through line that's been like kind of a theme or a message that you've been learning and applying through this whole plot process? Ooh, I would say... I've sort of had a lot of changes. Like I, when I graduated from college, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. And then I was like a few months out, I was like, I'm just going to do voiceover. And then I was like, I'm going to be an actor again. And then I, 
realized I wanted to try. So I um, I would say to, I would say like the through line is that I always pursued what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. I always, yeah. And that I wasn't, and that if I was afraid of something, I sort of let myself be afraid, but I tried to work through it. Yeah, that's a good to one. The point. So I would say, do all, and so I would say I've, one thing I was really just, age 24 was just, I was very proud of, of just that whole year because I was like, I did a lot of stuff that I wanted to do, but was afraid to do. Mm-hmm. And so that I would say is a good through line is that I was always, I was always pursuing what I wanted to do and the always listening to my body and how I and where my artistic stuff was taking me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say I was always listening to myself. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good message. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people could learn from that, especially mm. early in their creative careers. Yeah. Is you're going like, to be afraid to do a lot of things. Yeah. But you want to do this thing. So also take time to understand what it is you are afraid of and right. why you're afraid of it and ways you maybe can uh, defeat the fear. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's great. And I mean, anything like i'm sure that like there's like newbie actors just Mm. like there's newbie comedians who they haven't gone on stage but they've written material or know what they want to do but they're so scared to get on stage or like people on tiktok maybe there's people who like you want to be like oh i want to make videos on tiktok but i'm scared to show my face or i'm scared to make put it out there and people will judge me but 100 so many yeah so many you just gotta power through yeah i like that you also put uh listen to my body in there yeah, I was like, so eat your veggies along the way. <laughs> like, yeah, well, <laughs> take yeah. care of yourself. Yeah, take care of yourself. If yeah, listen to what your body needs and where you're feeling drawn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I uh, I said this on another podcast I was on, which I will post on the page when it comes <laughs> out. But yeah. um, I always felt like my life. I feel like I've been on like a, the yellow brick road, but it's mm-hmm. like foggy. But I can always like look right at my feet and know it's like, okay, I'm still on the road. Like I feel that's like that's a beautiful thing. I feel like I'm always chasing this certain feeling and I can't like quantify yeah. what the destination is, but I know it's like the right feeling. And that was going to school for engineering, getting a job, starting comedy. And like starting comedy was like a big one where it's like, oh, now I see like yeah. further what's on this road and like doing Definitely. the podcasts and like moving to New York City was huge. Like, yeah, it's just follow follow that gut feeling and do what feels That's right. So good, and don't let yourself miss out on things that you wish you would have done. Like I was scared to move here, and yeah. I thought one day when I'm on my deathbed, mm-hmm. do I want to look back in time and be like, I was a stand up comedian and I was going to move to New York, but I chickened out. Hundred like, percent. No, I wanted to be. I wanted to do it and pull it off. Yeah. So I would also say another thing is don't uh, chase fame if you feel like you're in a really because the thing is like recently i had an opportunity that i don't necessarily want to say i told you about it um that it was porn yes just kidding <laughs> gay porn um my asshole wasn't ready um but yeah no so there was an opportunity that presented itself to me the um, because of impressions that i did on tiktok and i very instinctively knew that i didn't want to do it and the thing is like it was pretty soon after it was lee's first rooftop open mic Mm -hmm. and we were and i remember we were eating food on her roof after it and i was just like 
I had this very beautiful moment where I thought, I am exactly where I'm supposed to be right mm-hmm. now. There is no place I'd rather be. This is the perfect place for me right now at this point. And I thought, because like this opportunity, I was like, I could probably get like a lot of attention from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I didn't want to necessarily focus on impressions. I wanted to pursue stand-up. And I thought, I and some people yourself included i'm gonna be honest we're like you should go for it you'll be able to get a huge audience and you know accelerate your career and stuff and guilty I was, yeah but but i um i know and i would do that if i was in your position yeah 100 but i um but i thought i'm gonna re i this isn't the right choice for me and i'm also in no rush to be famous or chase right. anything i thought i'm in a really good place and i'm gonna i'm gonna take this as long as i as it naturally needs to. Right. And I think that's an incredible thing that you like recognize. Like, even though I was definitely one of the persons like this opportunity was like a very big opportunity. Yeah. But choosing being like, you were explicitly like to me, you're like, I would do it, but I want to be known as a comedian. I don't want to be known as an impressionist. hundred percent. And that's like, it's so true. Cause I mean, the thing is, is like, if that opportunity paid off, you get a lot of attention, but everyone. But then has I would be like pigeonholed. I would yeah. feel, you know, and it just and also like I didn't want to pretend that I was like that. Impressions was my passion when it wasn't. It's as just much something you can do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's excellent. Like that's like sometimes you're gonna sacrifice like big things on your creative journey, but yeah. like stick staying true to yourself and what you want out of life. Yeah, is definitely like the way to go. Always, always ask yourself, is this ethical? Is this what you think is ethical? Right. Then do it. And if not, then think about it. I think you should have done a fake out. I think you should have done <laughs> it for the, for the impression. Then when you're at in the moment, you're like, and here's my five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's my type five. <laughs> oh, my God. Awesome. Missed well, opportunity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so good having you on the show. Thank Thanks you for so coming much, on. man. This is a pleasure. I think people are going to love this episode. We talked about a whole variety of things. That was awesome. So if uh, if you can follow Lucas at Lucas T Arnold, Lucas mm-hmm. with a K everywhere, he has synced up his name and social media very yep. consistently. So that was him. intentional, very <laughs> intentional. Um, if you like the show, you can follow it on Instagram at dqydj underscore pod. I know it's it's it doesn't roll off the tongue at all, but it's don't quit your day job underscore pod. But none of the other letters besides the first one. So here's me explaining the Instagram handle to you in three minutes or less. (laughs) But yeah, so thanks for tuning in. Um, I will see you guys next week with another great new guest. Um, I am Maxim Allen, and this has been Lucas Arnold. And uh, can I have John Mulaney take us out? (laughs) Okay, Maxim. (laughs) (laughs) What what do you want me to say? Do you want me to recite wet-ass pussy one more time? What? Wait, what do you what do you want from me? <laughs> oh, we we say this has been Don't Quit Your Day Job. Thank you for listening. This has been Don't Quit Your Day Job. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, now Professor Farnsworth. <laughs> this has been Don't Quit Your Day Job, the podcast. Thank you for listening. Oh, <laughs> incredible. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye. 